millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The boyhood dream has come true! WrestleMania backlash on the horizon as we deal with the WrestleMania backwash of 1996. Who be we? I be fake, Geordie. Radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell with the mulligan to my O'Hare, the Clive fuck of Cultaholic, the rambunctious Jack Kinsuke Nakamura. How you doing, Jackie Orlando? All right. Glad to see that not only was I in another prestigious Cultaholic Battle Royal, this one with Triple Jump, as usual, got in no offense and eliminated first. <laughs> so all I'm saying is wrestling's a work because like Dan Severin, if it was a shoot, I'd just stand there and be like, go on, throw me off. <laughs> you would as well. Go, you... on, go on, you walrus man, you shark, you legs and you giant puppet. Have a go. <laughs> Apparently backstage before Cultaholic Triple Jump War Games presented by WWE 2K23, Jack Atkins had said, what if I just decide just to shoot on everyone? <laughs> I did, yeah. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. <laughs> In the corner was Ross Tweddle taping up his fist. Like <laughs> it was a sight. Thank you for joining us for that a couple of weeks back. It's good fun. It lives on the channel forever now, in perpetuity, uh, unless WWE games have kicked off about it in some way, shape, or form. I don't think we were too offensive. Yeah, I, I, I did like the fact that the uh, Twitch chat was just saying, oh, that's the... Most Caucasian Scouse-looking Japanese fella I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so. Second, there's you and David Guest. But uh, <laughs> it was great fun. Uh, we taped two Raws back-to-back. So you heard, what you heard last week was one we, one we recorded a while ago. Yeah. We basically, we are, it's art imitating life. It We're is. basically imitating the schedule of Monday Night Raw in 1996 almost. We are, yeah. By doing a couple whilst, you know, the crowd are there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it lessens the road schedule for some. Uh, but we're, we're back as we're heading into May. And uh, you, Jackie Orlando, uh, you're, you're busy in the next couple of weeks because you're moving. The story is, the behind the scenes story on this is, Jackie Orlando is moving back to the pool. Yeah, so when this airs, I think I'll have moved. You'll be there. Yeah. You'll be there just, just you know, getting back into the rhythm of life in Liverpool. Yeah. Eating, as a liver bird. Eating chips and um, uh, avoiding people. Swearing at Lizzie Evo. Yeah. <laughs> as, as all good Scousers do. So what, what do you think would think a normal day would be for you now? Would it be? 
same as it is now. Same as it is now, but just... Wake up, eat an inhumane amount of eggs, <laughs> call the cats knobheads, <laughs> have a caffeinated beverage and go about my day. <laughs> it's a lovely time. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be not, So we will be on Zoom, I think, for some of these. Some of these. We'll be in person for as many as we can, but we'll still bring the fun. Yeah, because I, I, I prefer doing these face-to-face. Yes. So... But like I said, we, we've we've got to figure out the logistics of it because, in theory, it's nice to say, oh, once a month I'll come up on the train and we'll blast through them all. But there might be times where it's just like, ah, the trains are two hundred pounds and <laughs> um, Triple H is in court for setting fire to a school bus this week, so we're quite busy. <laughs> so, is that the plot of the chaperone? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. I think it's just like what Triple H Triple H is this bus. Yeah. And so, in an ideal world, to do as many as we can in. You know, in an ideal world, person. there'd be no hunger. Yes. Just just, um, just some context and some, you know. Did you know that I believe the children of the future? Teach them well and let them lead the way? Yeah. I think so as well. <laughs> so, yeah, when, when, when this airs, um, I'll be, I'll, I'll be a little... people listening on the podcast, they heard you say that, Richard. <laughs> like you did a line or something. But really, you were just... Just, just a line of life is what yeah. I think. <laughs> That's what I said to the police officer. I've, I, yeah, it's been a long running discussion. Now. I've just got terrible sinuses, so I've got a little <laughs> little menthol inhaler stick to <laughs> give me a little bit of a... Whoa. It's our regular feature, Jack's terrible sinuses. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, but the main feature of the show is going back into 1996, where Jack's sinuses hadn't even been born yet. And no, they were still crap, huh? <laughs> they were still... <laughs> Mother, I'd like good sinuses. Get out of my house! You're no son of mine. Out of my kitchen. You're no son of mine! Uh, we're back in August the 5th, 1996, for this week's Cultaholic Classic Review. Oh, very quickly... Thank you uh, to Professor Nick Harrison from TikTok for coming by Newcastle the other week. And we had a lovely time together. How was it? Yeah, Amazing. Oh, my God. What a guy. Yeah. Professor Nick, who was on Desert Island Graps, he got famous on TikTok for reenacting wrestlers' entrances, like uh, Beat Perfect Mm. on TikTok during lockdown. And he's become a bit of a a superstar since then. And uh, he had a couple of weeks where he was visiting the UK. So he messaged me and said, I'm in Manchester. Where are you guys? We're over the way. Come see us. And we got to spend a whole day together. Fantastic. Lovely. Just taking the keyside. Took him fat hippo. Oh. Yeah, gave him a big burger. Yeah. I thought it'd make him feel at home because of America. Brought <laughs> 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 him to Cotholic. He got to hold the Cotholic Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. The beast that is, that massive old belt. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but as soon as we got it, I went to Andrew Hawkinson and said, Andrew, I will give you 500 pounds cash. If you Roddy Piper that belt above your head. <laughs> <laughs> was that the day that 13 crows died? <laughs> it was, yeah. Seem to remember that day. It was yeah. a good day. Um, yeah, he so he showed up with that. He, he got to hold the belt, ridiculous sized belt, uh, and he came to North Wrestling. Fantastic. He came to see the NCL Cup and had a lovely night. So yeah. uh, thank you if you made Nick Harrison feel very welcome at North Wrestling as well. What a time it was. Uh, what's new with you, more importantly? Nothing. No. Just, just been, just been packing, packing and packing and packing. Uh, we've just, just when we're recording this, we're coming off the long weekend. Mm-hmm. So Friday, packed. Saturday, uh, I did a little packing. Sunday, ended up playing Destiny all day. Nice. Um, and then Monday, I worked and then played some more Destiny. And then it's it's very boring now. Like I keep a, a, a journal every day, and I like to write like just like a short paragraph, just. Three, two, three lines saying what I did. And every day now it's like, yep, same as yesterday, work from home, cats are sound, 
slept. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. So will we release this one day as a book? No, no, no. It's, it's I'd just, buy it. It's not a good read. <laughs> I think it's a lovely it's, read. It's not a good read. Um, I, I think we get um, we get Ian McKellen to read it as an audiobook. Oh, God, imagine that. <laughs> I had 19 eggs today. Poppy and Louis are cunts. You see, I woke up. No, that's Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not, Pro- not Professor X. Not Mag- I'm talking about Magneo. Magnetman. Magnetman. Yeah. Magnetman. It's, it's, it's literally just so it can look back and be like, oh, what was going on this time two years ago? I was like, yeah, it was on cow cheating eggs. Fantastic. <laughs> Glad to see it's not changed. You, did you, on Easter, on Easter Sunday, uh-huh. Did you get a visit from uh, from the bald egg man? We don't talk about the bald egg. <laughs> the bald egg man. What's the rhyme? You I got so, something fell into my Twitter timeline on Easter Sunday. And the first thing I thought was, and I, I went, I need to send this to Jack Atkins immediately. <laughs> Which somebody had tweeted this out. And it made me uh, thank you to Frog Croakley on Twitter <laughs> to the tune of the Milky Bar Kid. The boiled egg man is large and round. He enters your house without a sound. A featureless shell, the long thin legs, the briefcase full of boiled eggs. We don't, don't. <laughs> he'll hear you and he won't be happy. And that you was have, you have response. He won't be happy. You haven't seen the horrors I've seen. <laughs> You just, you make a noise and he just looks over to you, shaking violently. Just, just no face though, just... <laughs> But there's obviously like a mouth behind it because you say, <laughs> He's Humpty Dumpty's dad. Oh, he's livid as well. He's uh... My son! <laughs> I will kill all the king's horses and all the king's men! As, as Humpty Dumpty fell, he was, uh, it was that end scene from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. My boy! <laughs> My boy! I just imagine a live action adaptation of Humpty Dumpty, where Humpty Dumpty is played by Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Let's be honest, it'd be fucking Chris Pratt, wouldn't it? It's always yeah. Chris Pratt. God have, damn it. Have you seen the Mario film? Not yet. By the time this goes out, I probably have, and I've probably really enjoyed it yeah. because it's it's not an avant-garde like film, like classically written movie. It's yeah. it's a it's a fun, colourful romp about a video game plumber. So I'm not expecting it to be, you know. The, the greatest thing ever. I'm expecting just to enjoy it and go, I understand that reference 400 yeah. times. Fantastic. If a video game has me having a nice smile on my face going, I understood that reference, I've had a good time. Yeah. I'm expecting nothing less from it. I'm looking forward to the Barbie movie as well. Yeah, that, that looks fun. Yeah. Looks great. Especially the, the really good campaign they've been doing online. Oh, God, yeah, with the, the Barbie posters and mm. stuff. John Cena's in it as well. Is he? He's in. This isn't even a bit. John Cena is in the Barbie movie. He's not a Ken, is he? I wouldn't be shocked if he was a I was, Ken. I was going to say, isn't he too old and bald to be Ken? But like Ryan Gosling looks really old as Ken as well. He does look old as Ken, doesn't he? I quite like the fact that he's like an older Ken. Maybe, maybe John Cena is the old Ken. What they need is... Old Ken! They need a sad Ken in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Barbie. That could be Ross from Friends. I was going to say, I, you know, if they need a, uh, a handsome, sad Ken, even though it's... Fully in post-production now. Just be in the corner, listening to Radiohead, just going, great dream house this, first time in Malibu. Gotta go home now. I want the sequel to be you just trying to fucking not kill everybody in Malibu. 
<laughs> Barbie Malibu. It's just, just, just you walking around, just being pissed off with everybody. Just, just and be like, hey, look, a flash mob, and I'm like, oh, oh just, just, mob, just, so. just keep yourselves to yourselves. There's that movie with Tom Hanks in where he has a cat and he's a grumpy neighbor. That would be the that Barbie would, movie yeah. with you in it. It would. It really would. <laughs> I'd be so good. But anyway, <laughs> we're in 96, sadly, so we're nowhere near that particular time frame. August the 5th, 1996, to be exact. Uh, number one movie in the UK is not Barbie. It is Twister. Twister. Uh, Time to Kill, still number one in the US movie charts mm-hmm. as well. Uh, no change in the music scene either. Wannabe from the Spice Girls, still number one. And the Macarena, still number one in America. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, Macarena. <sighs> Get comfy. You're going to be doing the Macarena for about four months. Did <laughs> 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 you tell me about my boyfriend? You keep fucking telling me about your boyfriend. <laughs> I haven't seen your family in months. <laughs> My house burned down. Uh, <laughs> this week in the football world, yeah. Sheer up becomes the most expensive footballer in the world. I remember this vividly. He goes from Blackburn to Newcastle for £15 million. That now gets you a shit footballer. That, yeah, that, <laughs> that is like when you're playing FIFA on a budget now. 50, yeah. Oh, we're going to get for £15 million. Ooh, he's, he's, from, he's from the Dutch league. I've heard he's all right. David Sally, my favourite stuff, I don't play many football games, but I remember, I remember vividly playing FIFA Road to World Cup 98 mm-hmm. on the PlayStation, wanting to buy Ronaldo for... For uh, my team, for, for who was I playing as? Ajax. Yeah. Wanted to buy Ronaldo, couldn't afford him, but I could afford Redondo. So, <laughs> so oh, Fernando Redondo, <laughs> fantastic. So, based on name alone, I just bought Redondo. <laughs> <laughs> like he was an Aldi version of Ronaldo. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Didn't perform weirdly. No. <laughs> uh, but Shearer this week breaking the bank and moving from Blackburn back home to the Magpies. Well, that also means then that this week. Uh, Aidan Gibbons was born. It was the week indeed that Alan Shearer broke the bank and Aidan Gibbons broke out of his womb. Yeah, which is mad how young the rest of the staff here are. Because <laughs> I think he was saying that his it was like one of the greatest weeks of his dad's life. Because I have a, I think he said that Shearer's sister <laughs> was a midwife at the hospital where he's born and basically went, Oh, see, so you've got a little, little burn coming. By the way, our Alan the signing next week. Double trouble. Oh, wow. <laughs> which, as, as Aiden's dad said, which one he was more excited about? Uh, no, but I think you, you, could, you can tell by the eyes, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> you can see it in their eyes. He knows, he knows. He, he was, he, he, he was. oh, good luck, Mrs. Uh, wife, on giving birth to Aiden. Oh, there's a game on in half an hour. <laughs> You'll be all right, won't you? You got this. Sure. <laughs> Me and Alex have talked about this and said, like, in the event that we ever decided to, you know, curse this land by bringing children into it. Mm. Um, would you want me there? And she's like, I would, but I wouldn't. Because I know what you like. Yeah. And I know you'd want to do everything for me. But I think at that point, I wouldn't want you to do or say anything, but I'd want you to be nearby. Yeah. <laughs> and I say, yeah, I get that. Sometimes she'll say, um, she'll say like, I'm, I just leave me alone for a bit. <laughs> and I'll, there's a great example, right? We're in bed one night. <laughs> We're in bed one night, and, and I, I kind of cuddle in to say goodnight. And she goes, I'm a bit hot and a bit, can you just, can you leave me, leave me be for a bit? It doesn't happen every night. She's on this particular, I said, yeah, okay. And then I rolled to the other side of the bed, and she went, where have you gone? I was like, I can't hover above you. <laughs> oh, imagine that. Like, <laughs> like the exorcist. I was going to say, like, Ghostbusters, but yeah. <laughs> we were laughing in bed going, I can't hover above you. <laughs> Last thing anyone needs it's is like, Hover Campbell. I want, oh yeah, no one needs Jesus Christ. No one needs Hover Campbell. 
So the phrase, leave me alone, I'm lonely, has come up quite a few times in our house. <laughs> leave me alone, but don't go anywhere. Don't just, hug me, I'm scared. Just don't hug me, I'm scared. <laughs> just be nearby. Um, August the 1st, on this day, uh, an epic fantasy novel is published uh, uh, by George R. R. Martin. Mm. A Song of Ice and Fire mm. uh, will later go on to be part of the epic fantasy series, A Game of Thrones. Mm. So back in 96, you had your first... So this is it. People who are kicking up a fuss going, oh, don't know no, it ends. Read the books. Yeah. Well, my saying to that, he hasn't finished the books yet, has he? I might be speaking out of my ass there. Never read or watched it. Uh, <laughs> I was speaking out of my ass because I remember, I remember people saying that about the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. And then people going, oh, I've got to wait a whole year for Return of the King. I'm going to read the book. Yeah, they've available been, now. They'd been in print for like 60 years at that point. Yeah, um, yeah I think... T- I think, because uh, I got made to really into Game of Thrones, like the books and stuff, and said that he's just taking his sweet time. But uh, did he help with the last series or something? I'm not usually one for like... I think he just sort of cast his eye over it and got paid a bag of money. I'm not one for... When it, when it first came out, and I thought, that sounds interesting because it's like warring families. But as soon as I heard that there was dragons and the, the zombie walkers and stuff, I went... Nah, not for me. Oh, uh, you'd rather just like the... the, the... I'd, I'd rather have the machinations of power. That's like, at the moment... I'm a big fan of Succession. Mm. I like I Brookside. Like Brookside. <laughs> I like things where it's all not verbal backstabbing and getting one ups. Like I like the thick of it and stuff like that. And comedy, not related, but like I like bored to death. The, the on HBO because it's nice. it's the wit. It's how people's words get them into more trouble than like the violent side of it. So when I heard it was less more the kind of, oh, I have signed a deed which therefore constructs thee from the, taking this birthright. I was like, oh, wow. And it was more just like, dragon there. Kill the dragon. I was like, ah, it's not one for me. <laughs> Jack Atkins watching Game of Thrones. The house of Targaryen will smite your houses and we will rule all the land. Oh, yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah. And with my dragon, fuck this. No. <laughs> I'm off to get a pie and watch The Wire again. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sean was watching the sequel one, was it House of the Dragon? House of the Dragon. And I watched five minutes of it and ripped into it. And she went, she went, I like this, leave me alone. I went, this is shite. <laughs> In five minutes, there was a character called Lord Jason. I just went, who the fuck's called Lord Jason? <laughs> King Alan. Yeah, Lord Jason. Someone got their face literally punched into dust. And I went, violence is more shocking when you don't see it, Sean. Actually, got my film studies brain Actually. on. Actually. Someone was called a cunt and there was hints at incest. And I just went, oh, it's just fucking lowest common denominator shock value. Wasn't there, a, wasn't there, uh, didn't she die giving birth in the first episode as well? Probably. Spoiler. Probably. Um, it's, yeah, you, you kind of, yeah, it, the, the most shocking scenes in film are always the ones that you don't see. Yeah. The amount of people that swear blind, they watched a guy getting their ear cut off in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Did you not see it? Taxi chainsaw massacre. You don't really. see You don't anything. see anything. Mm-hmm. It's more the you know the most dangerous tool to a horror writer is the mind mm-hmm. of the viewer. I'm one of the only people who's written more books than they've read. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know writers that use subtext and they're all cowards. Well, I, I didn't realise it was '96 for those books. I mm. assumed it was later than that. It was '96. Uh, Getting right back round to it. But one one day I'll probably watch Game of Thrones, but it's it's just. Not my usual wheelhouse. We're just back watching Desperate Housewives again. Oh, there we go. Just back in it now. Yeah. We're, we're nearly done again. Nearly yeah. done. So, and and do you know what's nice is that it's there's still bits that shock me. So like we all watch, uh, or like when you, it's even worse because then you kind of halfway through an episode remember what's about to happen. 
Mm. Like we were sat there, you know, Desperate Housewives spoilers, by the way. I know, I know. Just to get a tiny niche of the audience, Desperate Housewives spoilers. Watching um, Susan and Mike having a chat on the Steph about how much like Mike loves her and all this stuff. And I went, oh no, this is where he dies! It's where they just shoot a main character to death out of the blue. And, and Terry Hatcher later said, that was a fucking awful decision. <laughs> you, you started my character, a season one, as a, as a, as a, desperate, as a desperate, lonely, single mom. Mm. And I'm going to end as a desperate, single, lonely mom. Fucking point of all that story arc, you're going to kill the fucker. I used to go out with Superman and James Bond, and yeah. now I'm stuck with this. And now I'm stuck with fucking Mike Delfino getting shot after all his fucking gambling addictions or whatever. Oh. No, he, drug addiction. It wasn't gambling addiction. It was a drug addiction. He was addicted to painkillers. <laughs> He ran up a lot of money. <laughs> Find painkillers. That's uh, Tom Campbell's Desperate Housewives recap. Alex and I have <laughs> said if we ever get another lockdown on the go, uh, we will do a Desperate Housewives podcast. Fantastic. Where we'll just watch them week to week and just go, fucking Roy Hodge. <laughs> Roy Hodgson, not Roy Hodgson. <laughs> Who am I? Uh, Orson Whoa. Hodge. <laughs> Orson Hodge is an ass, not Roy Hodgson. Imagine all these glamorous, over-the-top, desperate housewives that are just at the end of the road, just Roy Hodgson not knowing where he is. What is that? Do you want to play Warhammer? Let's go Mince Crossover coming soon. <laughs> I wish. Message me, Andy. Message me. Um, I think he's muted me because I, I, I did an AI image of Roy Hodgson playing Warhammer and uh, he never replied. But I think because, bless him, he followed me after Andy Dawson from Athletic Mins, he followed me after we had a chat for Radio Newcastle, and uh, which I was delighted by. And I'm aware that it was kind of just before a pay-per-view, so my timeline's probably flooded with wrestling bollocks. And mm. I think instead of he could have just he could have just been a very fair man and just unfollowed me. Yeah. But he still followed me, so I think he's muted me, <laughs> which is more than reasonable. Yeah. More than reasonable. Most people I know have done, and you're not alone. Also on August the first. <laughs> <laughs> MTV launched their second TV channel, oh. M2. Oh. Now, this is because MTV had basically just become airing uh, original programming and not actually doing what it was meant to do, which yeah. is show music videos. So M2 basically did the heavy lifting and was just all day long music videos until it became more original programming as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I miss the glory days of MTV. Well, we weren't even around for the glory days of MTV. Glory days. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> but like the the mid nineties when you would have the music videos in the day and at night you'd have just weird stuff like Beavers and Butthead mm. and Celebrity Deathmatch and later things like Jackass where it, they had a good balance and then like just went more and more. I always enjoyed like the casual nature of MTV news. Yeah, because news in just, the nineties <laughs> just a guy that's going. Yeah, Madonna's. Madonna's had a burrito. <laughs> See you later. But they're wearing like <laughs> t-shirts and they're all a bit pan-European and they're yeah. like, hello, it's me, Kashinda, and here is the news from the MTV. Oh, can you believe it? Uh, Madonna's had a burrito. Yeah. There, was other, there was other news. But it kind of became the, the template for most YouTube news channels. Yep. So yeah. they were ahead of the curve. They were ahead of the curve. Uh, also August the 6th. Uh, so the day after Raw, the Ramones performed for the very last time Ooh. at the Palace in Hollywood. Bloody hell. And that's the end of the Ramones, yeah. especially sedated after that. There yeah, because um, as we all know, Mr. Burns had the Rolling Stones killed. He did indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and the Ramones, surely. Mm. Both of them killed. <laughs> Their houses burned down. <laughs> Their houses burned down. <laughs> 
That's all the weird, boring, rubbish, normal uh, news. What's happening in the wrestling news, Jack Atkins? Well, in the Joey Ramone Wrestling Observer newsletter dated... <laughs> it, it's, it's a quiet one this week. There's only a couple, because this is one of those weeks where um, Dave Meltzer was on holiday. Ah! So, oh, so August Did he tell you where he went? No, but knowing Dave Meltzer, he probably just got lost in his house somewhere behind <laughs> stacks of newspapers and... They made him the king of print for that one week he was away. <laughs> I don't think he went to Bridlington. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like uh, Bridlington. Uh, saw some donkeys on the yeah. beach. Uh. Um, so August 12th, 1996. The, the main chunk of this newsletter was um, it was a massive piece on the history of New Japan because this week in New Japan, it was the G1 Climax and the first ever J-Cup. Wow. So the main thing is obviously the J-Cup. If you don't know the J-Cup, then you'll definitely know the picture of Ultimo Dragon holding every belt yes, ever. But he wasn't the first winner. So it was a combination of all these light heavyweight titles from across the world. There was the WWF. Was it the Junior Heavyweight Championship, which hadn't actually been part of WWF for years? That's it. There was one from, like, war. There were a couple from Mexico. There was... I don't know if it was the New Japan Junior Heavy. I should have done more research. But basically, there was eight titles and over like a four-night tournament, they had all the champions face off until at the end, you've got one fellow with four belts, another fellow with four belts, and then they wrestle to decide who wins. And I'm a big proponent for people having multiple belts. I think it looks cool. Because if you see someone with many belts, you're like, he's good. It's like, have you ever seen a wrestler? It's like, nah, but look how many belts he's got. <laughs> I think AEW should do that. Yeah. But uh, the current state they're going to be a tournament for the last four days. Oh, hey! God. It's a good joke, that. Yeah. What but, was your favorite, apart from um, Ultimate Dragon, what other multi-belt carrying uh, images or people do you like? Because my <laughs> mind turns to the night that Kurt Angle won all the belts in yeah. TNA. <laughs> yeah. Bobby Lashley did it as well, didn't he? I Bobby think? Lashley won all the belts um, in TNA as well, as it was Impact then. I like, well, obviously, like the All Japan Triple Crown. It's like oh, to, to be yeah. the champion, you've got three titles. And I like trophies as well. So, especially in like 90s Japan, you'd have some fucker with like three titles, a big massive thing of flowers, maybe a sash and like two big trophies and one hand doing the number one. And he's like, that's fantastic. <laughs> I like the look of them. I think bringing them out is quite cumbersome. Yeah. Bless Bobby Lashley who turned up at WrestleMania and his whole job was just to carry that big fucking trophy <laughs> out. He looked like he couldn't be asked. Yeah. Well, he got paid at least as long as he got, got paid. paid. So the finals of the Fortnite tournament, uh, the great Sasuke won the J-Crown. He defeated Ultimo Dragon in the finals to walk away with eight title belts. Um, I've just put it here. An amazing idea of visual, the J-Crown. If some fucker walks in with eight titles, you're going to pay attention. But bad news is, uh, in winning this, the great Sasuke fractured his skull. <laughs> so, That's just from carrying the belts? Yeah. Crushed under the weight of expectation. Jeez. So, so therefore, he, so he fractured his skull, so mm. presumably he had to vacate all eight belts. Not too sure. I haven't looked ahead. You'd but be livid, wouldn't you? You would. Like, if you're in that tournament, you go, right, we've lost it to one person. Oh, they're injured. But All no the belts are vacant. No more wrestlers like, he's like, I'm fine, brother. I'll be back next week. <laughs> so also this week, like I said, just the G1. Um, ahead of it, people were saying, oh, this could be Ricky, the legendary Ricky Choshu's last hurrah. Mm. And Ricky Choshu defeated Masahiro Chono in the G1 and said afterwards, he's like, Choshu said, this was my last hurrah. I'll be retiring in 1997. After his G1 final win, Choshu would wrestle another 761 times. <laughs> <laughs> forever! 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 Not Bit. forever. Two bits of WWF news. 
Ahmed Johnson is scheduled to undergo kidney surgery on August the 12th. Oh, no. So he's out indefinitely, and the match with Farouk Assad at SummerSlam has been scrapped. No, but he's in the Raw this week. Well, we'll see. What? We'll see how he gets on next week. Uh, something else that will be touched on next week. A bikini contest with Sonny Sable and Marlena will be on the free-for-all before SummerSlam. So this is WWF have been flirting with the idea of sex cells since Goldust came in, really. But now they're just going, we've got three attractive women here. (laughs) Let's have a look at their asses. It's that lovely girls competition. <laughs> lovely, lovely girls. God, <laughs> lovely girls. Talking of nice asses, in WCW, Jacques Rougeau and Pierre Oulette <laughs> have signed the WCW contract. Who has the loveliest ass out of Jacques Rougeau and Pierre Oulette? I'm saying Jacques Rougeau. I was going to say PCO. Well, PCO. we agree to disagree. PCO, blimey, what a lovely bottom. <laughs> to give him his full name. So, so the lovely bottom boys signed their WCW contracts on August the 1st, but they have no starting date. Horace Boulder, the nephew of Hulk Hogan, also signed a 125 grand a year deal. Christ! But there are no imminent plans of him being used. Of course. God Almighty! So this is Horace Hogan, who I'm just adjusting my underpants. For is this, those this is part of a. Is this a bit? No, he just he just generally just the underpants. Yeah, I just got excited <laughs> at the thought of Pierre Ouellette's ass and Horace Hogan. Patreon.com/slash/scottaholic. Um, You're very welcome. So Horace. As Horace Boulder, because obviously Hogan used to be Terry Boulder back in the day, so it's a throwback to that. And his brother Dizzy Boulder. Dizzy Boulder. Ed Leslie. So Horace Boulder's been in FMW for the last couple of years, uh, and then he'll eventually become Horace Hogan, and the weight of the Hogan name just heavy around his neck, wasn't it? (sighs) Yeah. I love that. Um, Also, your Hogan's uh, nephew, right, or cousin? Nephew. Nephew. Hogan's nephew, right. Okay, well, we haven't really got anything for you, so um, here's 150 grand. 150 grand. Fucking hell. And who is Horace Hogan's cousin? Dizzy. <laughs> Mike Awesome, apparently. No way. Yeah. I don't think Awesome's related to Hulk Hogan, but through a different thing. Is that not like a second cousin twice removed Maybe type yeah. of fair, like me and Noddy Holder? Exactly. It's a similar connection. Yeah, and me and fucking, I don't know, the cast of bread. Uh, <laughs> the Boswells. The Boswells. Wow. Uh, uh, ECW News. Pitbull number one, Gary Wolf, suffered a broken neck and will be out of action for quite some time. They're playing it up as a skull fracture, which it wasn't, and a career ender, which it isn't expected to be, but it is very serious. And this will rumble on going into barely legal. So we're at ECW's height now where they're kind of bubbling under the surface and getting some really good reactions. And they'll go, not supernova, because... We all we all know Simon Dean doesn't uh, turn up for a little while. Hey. But, um, they'll start the bubbling under the surface. Nineteen ninety six. They're starting to change the game a little. But as it goes into ninety seven and ninety eight is when we get ECW reaching its commercial zenith. Yes. But ninety six is when like the, most of the meaty storylines going on. Oh. And one last little bit of news: some USWA news. Jeff Jarrett has quit the USWA and will sit out until starting with WCW in early October. Ah, so Jeff back home. Back home. I always feel like WCW is is uh, really where Jeff feels right. Yes, I think his I think style others, definitely. His style fits there. I think they'll they'll always try and shoehorn his style into the WWE and then the WWF. Yeah, but I think he always fits better elsewhere. Yeah, for me, he's always just sat a little better. Is that the wrestling news? That's it. There's bollocks all this week. Still thinking about the Boswells, to be honest. Oh, aren't we all? The granddad Boswell going oh, every day. I'm always bloody miserable. <laughs> Put some money in the chicken. You just you just remind me with the announcement um, of 
all in going to Wembley Stadium and Matthew, Boswell's doing a run in. Well, Matthew tweeted out saying, I can't wait for some niche um, UK signs. And I nearly just, <laughs> I was going to tweet out, just bring back Desmond's. <laughs> Yes! That's got such a limited audience. I I, I tell you what, you could you could do an E within an E and hold up a sign saying bring back pork pie. Oh! Which was the which was the spin-off from Desmond's. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was, I would argue, a greater spin-off than Frasier. <laughs> History has been kind, pork pie. <laughs> We want to watch Desmond's now. I can't, I can't even really remember Desmond's. You ran a barbershop with hilarious results. I just remember watching it as a little kid and be like, oh, Desmond's is on. I don't <laughs> like. I couldn't tell you how the theme went. I don't couldn't... scratch my sofa till the party's over. No, it's not But you just know when like toddlers get like into something weird and you're like, why are you into that? Apparently my thing was I just really liked watching Desmond's. <laughs> Oh, yeah. then you'll watch it and you'll go, oh, I don't miss the show. I miss the feeling of comfort and safety that I had back in the day when I did watch this. And you'll go all dark and cold. Dead soon. Dead soon. Yeah. Counting the days. Uh, <laughs> I had a really deep moment about half ten last night. I think <laughs> after watching the episode of uh, Desperate Housewives with Mike Delfino getting shot and thinking like, where do my memories go? <laughs> yeah. Mine's just in the ether. Just like, but then how do I remember this now if I've already died? That's mid, that's, that's how do I remember this now? That's too deep for a Tuesday. I know. Is, t- t- is it Tuesday? It's Tuesday. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw from 1996. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. We're straight into the title sequence and we are off and running. Coming up tonight, the Invitational Battle Royal. Justin Hawk Bradshaw, Bulldog. Steve Austin, Savio Vega, Owen Hart, Mark Marrow, Mankind, Ahmed Johnson, Goldust, Psycho Sid and The Undertaker, stacked. all in. Stacked. Fucking stacked. It's invitational, so why weren't more in there? Yeah. Anyone could have joined in. They could have been invited. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah that's it. Invitational, does that suggest that you invite yourself or you have to wait for a letter? Like Hogwarts. <laughs> Bob Holly backstage rubbing his hands. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean the bell's rung? <laughs> Bob Ollie sat home whilst his evil step-parents go, I like Sundays, no post on Sundays. <laughs> Bob Holly. <laughs> Fucking owls fly through the window. <laughs> Bob Holly under the stairs, getting bullied by some little pudgy kid as he's there like six foot one. <laughs> and the girl's just like, what do you say to me there, Dudley? <laughs> <laughs> fucking fucking Robbie Coltrane turns up and goes, you're a race car driver, Bob. I'm a what? <laughs> race car driver. <laughs> Bobby Potter in cinemas never. Uh, that's our main event. Jerry Lawler, though, is out to start the show. He's got a bottle of booze in a paper bag. Uh. You, in case you've missed some of the subtle nuance, Jerry Lawler thinks it's hilarious that Jake Roberts had a drink problem. Uh, he says he's been exposing Roberts ever since he opened up about his demons. Uh, Vince, thankfully, talks all over Jerry Lawler's yeah. bollocks. Yeah. Uh, they rerun Aldo Montoya's victory over Lawler on Superstars the other week. Jerry the King Lawler is still talking as Aldo's music hits and his pyro goes pyro off. Pyro for Aldo? Yeah. But he's always had pyro. He's always had the Catherine I know, wheels. but it's the fact that he's still got it. Yeah. <laughs> but they do it before the match, I think, just to have that visual of Lawler still talking whilst the fucking yeah. pyro's going off. 
Uh, Lawler tells Aldo to take Jake's tag partner back to him after the match, and he produces from the paper bag a bottle of Jim Beam. Lol, lol, lol. Alcoholism. Uh, Lawler is still talking as the fucking bell sounds. He throws the mic down. He says to Aldo, you want to say something? And he throws it down, and Aldo, like a dick, reaches down to pick up the microphone and gets woofed in the face by Jerry Lawler and his boot. Uh, Montoya eventually catches up and runs wild, but despite his best efforts, he gets caught unawares with a pile driver, then a second pile driver for a three count. Thank goodness the part time heel commentator pinned the full time up and coming babyface clean as a whistle. Yeah. Fuck me. I hate. Why do they have this fucking bonk on for pushing? In Jerry Lawler as this as this genuine threat to wrestling. It's ridiculous. It's annoying. Well. And knowing that he wouldn't um, even get a WrestleMania match until what? Is one Michael Cole? Yeah. So which, is, which was a joke in itself. So they're always pushing Lawler as this, you know. Ooh, can you get past Jerry Lawler? Oh, when it comes to the main pay per views, though, we won't use him. <laughs> just a little although they will be using him at a main pay-per-view as, as we will find out later on uh, post-match Jerry Lawler douses Aldo Montoya in Jim, Jim Beam pouring it right down his throttle telling Jake Roberts not to get jealous Montoya reacts to having whiskey poured down his throat like King is pouring lighter fluid down there which is a stra- which is a strange reaction to Jim Beam I don't know like I guess you're exaggerating the fact that yeah. it burns straight in my throat uh, I think they try and cover this by saying oh Montoya doesn't drink yeah. Which is why there's like a shock valley. He, he's our straight edge hero. He's our straight edge hero of the. He's our straight edge man of war. Is Aldo Montoya? Uh, referees and officials eventually pull the mighty, unstoppable, imposing threat. Part-time commentator heel Jerry the King Lawler away. This feud is garbage. It's rubbish, isn't it? The crowd don't Fucking care. Awful. Why should they? It's nice that Aldo Montoya is getting a mini push, but again, people don't care because he's not the main part of this. Everyone knows he's just there to get a shellacking from. Lawler, He's there to be it. the whipping boy, isn't he? Yeah. And then and, and you can't really say you get him over because you don't get him over. No. Uh Coliseum Home Video sponsor Raw tonight. King of the Ring 1996 is out on VHS tomorrow. Hey. So Coliseum were the company that basically did all WWF's uh video distribution initially all around the world, later just America, because I believe Silver Vision yeah. took over in the UK later on. Memory serves. Early nineties, from from the early nineties at least, Silver Vision. Yeah. Because you used to get all the lovely Coliseum home video exclusives, yeah. which would just be sort of promos that don't really add anything, but just you feel like you got a little bit more bang for your buck if you buy it on there. Yeah, because we, we had the we had the Silver Vision VHS of WrestleMania One because we're old. <laughs> <laughs> Hell to the yeah. Yeah. yeah! That's the dream. Uh, a quick note for WWE writers: Should you listen to this bullshit? I think maybe there's a very strong possibility that at least one might. Wow. Um, hi. Bring back Desmond, you cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking bring back Desmond's. You know who you are. Message me and bring back Desmond's. Um, the, um, next time, and, and I'm putting this here now, so if it ever happens, you know it's from here. Yeah. Next time you do an old school Raw, chuck into the show at some point a Coliseum home video exclusive. Yeah. Go on, you cowards. Do it. Stick the logo in the corner. Yeah. Give us an interview with like Bailey and Damage Control or something. And next time you do an old school Raw, don't just go for the theme because there's more and better themes. You don't just always have to go back to that one. I think the next time they do it, I reckon they'll probably use either 
Move to the Music, mm. or Across the Nation by Velvet, by Velvet Underground? No. <laughs> Union. <laughs> That's a very different song. Uh, <laughs> Union Underground. Um, that'd be a great version. Union Underground's um, Across the Nation, or maybe they'll use Nickelback, yeah. Burn It to the Ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, that's chicken back. <laughs> um, Jack Atkins waiting for his breakfast. <laughs> I, I do think that those old school roars, they're a bit muddled thematically, aren't they? Because they'll be like, oh, here's, here's Vince in the light blue jacket. And it's like, that's, mm. that's more superstars of wrestling from 1990 than Raw. Yeah. Choose one era and just go double hard on it. Yeah. Like, go all the way in on it. Because they'll be there in suits and stuff. It's like, oh, Raw was more kind of like wearing the, the cool black and red Raw as War jackets, which I still really want. Oh, really? Yeah, they're good, aren't they? Yeah. They're bloody good. Uh, they did this. I remember how furious I was when they did SmackDown Throwback. And uh, I was ready for like, oh, the Oval, the Eggtron, yeah. the Oval stage. No, it was just like, it was just like 80s graphics. Yeah, because I, really I remember that one and being like, that really doesn't make sense. No, you've absolutely, you screwed the pooch on that one. You've half-hearted it and half-witted it. Because everyone was, yeah, because you were saying Oval and other people were just like, fist, 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 get the fist, where's the fist, <laughs> fist, fist. fist. <laughs> 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 uh, do you know what the lyrics were for that song? Everybody on the floor, ground? Everybody on the ground, but they meant nothing. It no. was just, it was just Jim Johnson just busking. Everyone <laughs> thinks there was like, there was some meaning to it. Nope. No, just noises. That's problem. the glory days of the late nineties. Witty wee, witty woo, as yeah. we as we call it on a on a Thursday, on a Saturday morning. <laughs> witty wee, witty woo, on the classic SmackDown review. Witty woo, witty woo, Ah, I've had a bit theme. of coffee and I'm quite stressed. I'm sorry. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. It's nice stress release. So yeah, so Rose brought to us by Coliseum Home Video. Yes, it is. <laughs> get get yourself King of the Ring 1996. It's out. It's out at HMV tomorrow. Uh, then and our price if you're lucky. The new and improved Rockers already in the ring as Hillbilly Jim heads out to do commentary on our next match. Rockers opponents, the Body Donners, are jumped by the Rockers who head to the side of the stage in a genius move Did you and cower there, wait for them to come out. I can't believe that Vince actually said they got Pearl Harbored. I he thought, that, I thought that was just an OSW joke. I didn't realize it was an actual... Gorilla Monsoon used to say Pearl Harbored quite yeah. a bit. It's a Pearl Harbor job! Because <laughs> whenever I think of Gorilla Monsoon, I just think of, oh, the solar plexus and the bread basket and all that stuff. So, he used yeah. to hit us with Pearl Harbor as well. Yeah. It's a it's a verb, is Pearl Harbor, yeah? <laughs> We've got a Pearl Harbor here. Uh, it's a schmars with the rockers beating up Skip and Zip from the off. Uh, there's a bunch of picture-in-pictures during these matches as well. Uh, we get the first one with Sonny and Farouk Assad! Ron Simmons, baby! Sonny announces next week that we will see my new man versus my first man, because it's going to be Skip versus Farouk Assad. Farouk says, I don't care if it's skip or dip. <laughs> he says he's never been prey for no man. Please tell me you heard him call him dip yeah. instead of zip. Yeah. That's fine. Then. Dip is the third member of the body donners who's even chubbier. <laughs> <laughs> Farouk then says the following. <sighs> it's like this. I can make myself patterned after the true king of the jungle, the tiger. It's not the lion. Tigers don't need to travel in a group. Tigers doesn't need a pack of females to do his fighting for him. The tiger, from birth, like myself, left to fend for himself. The thing I like best about it, he's a man-eater, like me. <laughs> so, beautiful bollocks from Farouk Sad, who clearly watched an Attenborough documentary before I, the show. I like the fact that Farouk's character is kind of like, oh, he's kind of gladiatorial combat. 
But when Ron Simmons, even though he's got this verbiage of the king of the jungle, he's just Ron Simmons. He's not affecting any kind of like nuance or delivery or an accent or, you know, any kind of emotion. He's not being like calm and being like the king of the jungle, the tiger. He's just being Ron Simmons and doing an 80s. Let me tell you something, promo. It's like, I'm a gladiator. Let me tell you something. I'm a tiger. I'm going to whoop your ass. The messaging is so muddled. I've always been on my own. I don't know who Buttery it is. Or Teddy Long. On my own. From birth. Oh. Never been in WCW. Don't need a woman. Here's Sonny. It's fucking amazing. I don't... I can make myself patterned after the true king of the jungle, the tiger. Mm. Not the lion. Um, alternative animal promos that Farouk could, Farouk could have cut. I can make myself patterned after the hummingbird. Because I'm the only bird in the sky that can fly backwards. <laughs> I can make myself patterned after the horned lizard because I can shoot blood from my eyes. <laughs> I can make myself patterned after the Madagascar radiated tortoise because I can live for up to 188 years. <laughs> I can pattern myself after an anaconda because I can swallow a human being whole. <laughs> <laughs> I can make myself patterned after an anaconda because I ain't got none unless you want buns on. <laughs> you can do side beds or sit ups, please don't lose that. But it's just incredible. <laughs> I can make myself patterned after the donkey because I fucking carry Jesus to Nazareth. <laughs> I can pat myself after after a dog because I might shit, shit in the kitchen and feel shamed and then eat chocolate out the bin and die. <laughs> Can make myself bad after a cat, or I'll just fucking stare at you for hours and then just fucking knock shit off your mantelpiece. <laughs> Part of myself after a goldfish. I don't know where I am, and I might you might find me dead on the floor. <laughs> I hope every week Farouk Assad. Patterns himself after a different animal. It's me, Farouk, and like the humble lemur, it's, like... <laughs> it's me, Farouk. Like the, I make myself pattern after the quokka, who's adorable. Yeah, the first sign of predators, I fucking throw my kids at it. <laughs> it's a true story of the quokka. They are bastards. Yeah, yeah. They smile for the cameras, but they smile for the cameras. But as soon as a predator comes nearby, they grab one of their babies and yoink. <laughs> Jesus. Scumbags. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Leave Cassidy here to Blockbuster for a near fall. <laughs> I forgot there's a match. I forgot, yeah, I think we all did. Uh, because then we cut backstage again, another picture in picture. Yeah. We've got the smoking guns and the Godwins watching on respective little tellies in their locker rooms. Henry and Phineas do a lovely wave at the camera. But they're, watching, they're watching it like human beings. It's before the WWE, for those on Patreon, doing the whole lot. Where they, where they stand next, they stand adjacent to the television and watch off to the side. Yeah. They're, they're actually got the backs of the camera, and like you said, the goblins around like, you're right, watching this on the monitor. <laughs> yeah, girl, it's in colour. <laughs> I got me a cold television. Uh, of course, um, there will be a big SummerSlam match with all four teams. Hillbilly Jim has reassured Vincent Man that Phineas is over Sonny and will be ready to win the tag titles at SummerSlam in that tag team elimination match. Mm. Then another picture in picture as the Rockers versus the Body Donners goes on. This time... We go to the office of Gorilla Monsoon, who agrees to hire Clarence Mason's new star, but he'll be under close scrutiny upon his debut by officials and Gorilla Monsoon poisonally. Uh, this is the guy that Mason has been trying to get into the WWE despite like firearms charges yeah. and arrest and uh, not a conviction, but an arrest and generally being a wrong one. Yeah. And uh, eventually Gorilla goes, oh, go on then. Because Gorilla Monsoon apparently just likes to make problems for himself. God bless America. God bless America. <laughs> After the break, Body Donners get a double noggin knocker from the Rockers. But there's a miscalculation. Skip gets thrown into the ropes that leave Cassidy as ascending. And Cassidy gets the balls on the buckle. Uh, we see uh, Marty Jannetty hoid out of the ring. Skip hits a hurricane runner on Leaf, but before Zip can follow up with what I assume is the whoopee cushion, it hasn't got a name, that yeah. sort of sit-down, shit-ass senton. Oh, so is it New Jersey Jam when he does it, is it? Is it a New Jersey Jam? I think it is. Well, well when he's Chris Candido. No, no, this is Tom Pritchard doing it. Oh, Tom Pritchard. It. Cause, cause oh, Chris yeah, Candido course, sorry, does yeah. the hurricane run, the Frank yeah, yeah, off the yeah. top, and then Tom Pritchard goes up for the, the, the bottom sit. The, yeah, the, the the old man bum. The old man. The old Tom old. Pritchard. Here, he looks so fucking He's old. probably only about 24. But he doesn't get a chance to do it because the smoking guns hit the ring and they attack the body donners for the uh, the DQ win for the body donners. Godwins run out. They make the save. Schmoz ends this segment with the body donners and the Godwin standing tall. See you all at SummerSlam. Yeah. Thoughts on, I mean, the ma I didn't think the match was particularly standout, but it was a backdrop for multiple storyline twists and turns. Well, from what I paid attention to, the match was half decent when it got going, but I think that the crowd were flat. The double whammy of the Lawler segment and this has brought them down to a halt. A bit of noise, at the, there's lots of canned heat in this, but there was a bit of genuine noise for the schmars at the end. My thing is now, because we're getting more of these pick-and-pick -pick segments, which is making Raw... Hurt or buy. Mm -hmm. This is probably indicative of the attitude here at large, isn't it? Where it's like, oh, the in ring action doesn't really matter. Storyline, storyline, storyline. So it doesn't matter until you get to the pay per view, in yeah. which case it's the focus. Yeah. So you use the, I mean, it's the right thing you do. It's, you use the TV to sell the pay per views. Yeah. And it's effective, like you're saying, these episodes are a breeze, but the in-ring is suffering a little. And it's also up against Nitro, which is like yeah. advertising itself as very fast and hot and heavy. And especially now with like the, uh, the 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 very strong 
element of the NWO yeah. taking hold. WWF want to make sure that they never have people never have a reason to tune out yeah. constantly. So this is sort of the car crash TV that Raw will become for many years before it slows down to almost a standstill in around 2007. <laughs> All those three-hour Raws in 07. I'm Ooh. hoping I'll have had a massive heart attack by then. <laughs> so I'm, I know you, though. So I'm not, certainly on course. Not to, even death will slow you down. It's true, actually. Did you feel like, oh, Jack, you in for the podcast, though? He's like, well, no, Tom's dies. Like, Tom's here wearing to go. He's like, He's oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just having a day <laughs> off. <laughs> He's got death holding his head up. <laughs> I was going to say as well, Muppet Treasure Island, and you've got old Tom, real old Tom, and dead Tom as three of the pirates. <laughs> <laughs> dead Tom's just a skeleton. <laughs> that will be me watching, watching classic Raw review for January 9th, 2020. <laughs> Pandemic's coming. Fucking hell. So talking to some like young <clears throat> fucking eight-year-old who's working for Cultaholic at that point. You're like, oh, Atkins, you look all right. It's like, he's been dead for years. <laughs> it's okay. We can talk about him. The boiled egg man got him. No, no. I'll, no what will happen is it'll be really sad because for, for a good few months, I'll be sat doing the podcast and we'll be having a laugh and I'll listen back every week and I'll go, Adam, it's happened again. Like, I don't know what it is with the mics in there, but it's picking up my voice, but it's not picking up Jack's. And like, I don't know whether there's an issue with the mic and Adam's like, Tom, we've been through this. He hasn't... <laughs> Jack hasn't been here since the accident. <laughs> no, he was here last week. I don't know why I stopped picking it up. You look into it. And Adam, who was resigned to the fact that I'm not the full ticket and he knows at some point he's just going to pay me to go away, goes, yes, Tom, I'll look into it for you. Don't worry. Yeah. All right, thank you. Please. But the, bru the bruise is I'm not actually dead. I'm just like in hole hiding. I'm just like... <laughs> no, you've won a million and you're, li <laughs> and you're living like a feral animal, as we agreed. I'm just in a forest in Norway eating raw meat. <laughs> <laughs> he's the richest man on the planet. <laughs> But still more sensible than Elon Musk. How does that work? Oh, the banter king himself. <laughs> he hasn't bought... Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll know you truly lost your mind when you fucking buy MySpace. <laughs> Do you see how they got around the tick thing on Twitter? Yeah. What, about, what a bounce around this is this week to go from like me doing podcasts whilst losing my mind, mm. thinking that you're still with me, to the discussion of... Oh, what happens to our memories? To Farouk is hilarious, and said the blue tick thing. <laughs> They've got round it. I was ready to say farewell to my blue tick. I don't need to now. Yeah. Because now, when you tap on the blue tick, it says this account is either a legacy verified account or subscribes to Twitter Blue. Yeah, but I don't like that. Hate that, it. That lumps us in with the gimps. Yeah, because they're the just like, now. aren't we? Aren't we cool people? It's like the blue ticks were never cool. Oh. I think you just have to look, look, and be sensible with who is using it. And and it's, you know, if you've bought blue tick, no disrespect, unless you're a cunt, in which case there is. Uh, but like, you know, you'll look and think, okay, there's actor Tom Hanks. Pretty sure that's a legacy blue tick. Yeah. Oh, there's. John Cena fan eight three two eight seven with twelve followers. He's got a blue tick. Pretty sure he bought it. <laughs> and all his tweets are just John Cena is the best fighter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are scumbags if you think otherwise. <laughs> so I think you know yeah. a bit of sensible. Somebody, somebody put out a tweet and said, if you want to know who the legacy verified account, accounts are, um, look at Twitter verified because mm. they're following all the legacy verified accounts. This tweet went out a few hours later. <laughs> Legacy verified Twitter removed all of their followers. Ah, <laughs> scumbags! 
He's on to us. Oh, God. Anyways, go back to 96. I'd have to worry about such barlocks. Uh, a recap of the rough couple of weeks for Shawn Michaels. Vader pinning him. Mankind attacking him. Yeah. It's been a time. We cut to Shawn Michaels sat on a lovely park bench with a very young Kevin Kelly. He looked so young. He looked, he's just popped out of the womb. He, did, he looked He looked like a Hubert Farnsworth Jr. from Futurama. Oh, he did. Yeah. God love him. Kevin Kelly asks Shawn Michaels, what an opening gambit. How's your pork pie on this picnic we're having? He also says... <laughs> it's the third reference to pork pies in this show. I wish they were having a picnic. <laughs> on, the, on the traditional red and white gingham blanket. Yes, because it looked like a spot for a picnic. Oh, it looked a lovely spot for I a picnic. I think the interview would have been great if it was Kevin Kelly snaffling a scotch egg going, so Sean, is your world crumbling around you? Like this... <laughs> Bloody lovely crumbly scotch egg. <laughs> oh, he's just brushing off dust from his jacket as Sean answers the question. <laughs> Kelly does open with the gambit. Is your world crumbling around you, Sean? Sean Michaels reassures him, nah, it's not. Uh, saying times like this, uh, saying at times like this, he is the strongest. He says, I can be beaten on any given night, but at SummerSlam, Vader's gonna have to face me one on one. I've got the click with me and Jose in my corner. With that, I can take on anyone. So you're not one-on-one -on -one then. Um, <laughs> you can't face me one-on-one -on -one with me mates. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's have a fight at nine o'clock. If I'm not there in 15 minutes, start without me. <laughs> Kevin Kelly asks if SummerSlam will be the boy or dream become, will the boy or dream become a nightmare? Sean replies, fucking chill, mate. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Sean says, there is a fear of getting hurt. Worse than that, a fear of losing the WWF title. That's a nice line. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Like I, I'm, he's like, I'm worried about getting hurt, but I'm even more worried about losing the belt. Yeah. Love that. Shows how important the belt is to him. Little touch, I liked it. Uh, Kevin Kelly brings up Bret Hart possibly coming back, saying that some consider Sean's win over him tainted. Mm. Why would they think it was tainted? Because they had to do it in overtime. He couldn't get the job done in the 60 minutes like, so, like a babyface would. Yeah. That makes more sense. So if it wouldn't have been restarted, he wouldn't have won kind of thing. Uh, Sean does hope that Brett does return, saying that WWF without Brett is peanut butter without jelly. Kelly asks... He's still perfectly enjoyable. Still, per <laughs> still perfectly enjoyable. And in some cases, people prefer it. Yeah. You know, some people prefer the work rate of peanut butter. But to be honest with you, the jelly adds a charisma element that I think is lost with peanut butter alone. Mm. I feel like peanut butter, whilst is a, is a fundamental uh, piece of business for a sandwich, I think left on its own sometimes, maybe to cut a promo, not as strong as jelly, who, whilst it lacks that fundamental basic, certainly adds flavour all round. But I've heard, mm, using my clairvoyance, that come 1997, peanut butter becomes a fucking fantastic promo. <laughs> Give him something to sink yeah. his little peanut butter teeth into. But it, it takes it, <laughs> it takes jelly really having to grind the gears of peanut butter, saying, you've seen some sun bad days. I'm retiring now before I die. Um, Kevin Kelly asks for Sean's thoughts on the Battle Royal. Sean Michaels says, I don't think any other WF superstar can take on this schedule. Be asked to take on a 450 pound man uh, and then face a top WF superstar the following night. WWF is filled with very confident superstars, but there's one shining star above them all. And I'd like to think that's me. I really like this. Slightly humble. They don't do humble Sean often, but when they do, he's 
I think this is the only time that Sean comes across as a babyface because the rest of the time he's glitzy, mm. he's a twat. Let's not beat around the bush. And this was really good because he put himself over. He put over the importance of the title. He put over the locker room and he put over the threat of Vader. Yes. He didn't put anyone down. Everyone was up to a level. I thought this was really effective. Yeah, I liked it. And I liked the setting as well. Yeah. I think it was it was on a on a hilltop in Seattle. Yeah. As a, as Sean tucks into his fifth munch punch yogurt of the day. <laughs> you never have too many munch punch yogurts on a cut back. He's just got a bit of munch punch around his mouth. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> From this, we cut to something that really puts Shawn Michaels over strong. It's click cam video footage from their Canadian tour. Shawn Michaels fans going wild cheering for Shawn Michaels uh, as he makes his entrance in the brand spanking new Molson Center. WWF will be back here in a few years for, check the notes. Oh, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Uh, they'll be back here in 1997 for Survivor Series. Yeah. Oh, fuck. As soon as I saw people going mad for Shawn in Montreal, I was like, don't get used to it, Sean. <laughs> but it's not just in Montreal. It's the same fucking arena yeah. where it happens. The newly built Molson said, quick, destroy it. He comes out. He's like, who's your daddy, Montreal? Yeah. Like, you are champ. We you are champ. You. We bet you'd never do anything wrong. <laughs> Funny. It's Battle Royal O'Clock. It's our main event of the evening. All the wrestlers pretty much already made their entrances. Just a few to still come through. Sid makes his way out. Undertaker is the last one to enter, though, and he fucking charges towards the ring to meet Mankind in the center. Uh, this starts the match off. Everyone gets into the ring, and everybody's got a dance partner. Mankind and Taker eliminate each other immediately and fight around the ring. Fucking white heart start. That's so good, yeah. Brilliant. You'd, that's, that's exactly what it needs to be, because these two are the focus. They've got their own shit going on. They don't need to be in a battle royal to determine the top contender. And again, this puts over Mankind even more, because how often do we see Undertaker like this? Fucking never. No, really, really rattled and gnarled yeah. and annoyed and yeah. piddled. And we get it here. Uh, during the con during the uh, the Rumble, sadly, our boy gets out pretty quick, because Undertaker and Mankind eliminate each other. Bulldog's gone. <laughs> Remember what I said to you, uh, was it last week or the week before, saying that the booking of British Bulldogs really strange? Because they'd be like, oh, he's in the title picture. Next week, he's taking on Henry Godwin. Henry Godwin's battering him. <laughs> yeah. And then in this, it's just like, oh, here comes Bulldog. Oh, Bulldog's gone. Ah, it's, Bulldog's gone again. It's so strange. It's so strange. It's a weird decision to book him the way they do. Have we just put Bulldog over too much in our hearts? That we're just like, why no. have they put the strap on him? <laughs> Am I out of touch? No, <laughs> no it's, it's the, the children, children that are the problem. problem. <laughs> We have Bulldog's not here at the 4-H club. <laughs> <laughs> we put him over too much. We didn't put him over enough. Yeah. Uh, but Ahmed puts him over the top rope, sadly. Yeah. Uh, we get told at SummerSlam, as Jack Atkins mentioned earlier on, we're getting a Bikini Beach blast off. Marlena, Sonny, and Sable will get their whammers out for the pay-per-view pre-show. <laughs> Yeah, which will also feature Yokozuna's whammers too. Um, this is one reason why I'm glad that um, I'm, I'm moving... Um, <laughs> Because the shame of being in the office as, like, WWF becomes more titillating and people walking past and I'm just writing notes about breasts, basically. And it's like, that's very dignified, is it? I can't wait. I'm putting it on a big screen, making everybody watch. Yeah, I can do it in the privacy of my own home. In the nude. <laughs> I can do it in the office. In, in the, the nude. nude. 
Uh, Bradshaw gets eliminated by Sid. Thanks, Bradders. Yeah, Bradshaw lasted longer than Bulldog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> only one becomes WWE champion in years to come. Yeah. Uh, Austin has some great exchanges with Sid that mustn't be escaped. Yes. Really enjoyed yes. some of the, the work these two did. Uh, Owen gets eliminated by Mark Marrow despite an attempt at skinning the cat. Yeah. Owen's booking is strange as well. Yeah. Savvy Vega's still in the match at this point. Mm. And Bulldog and Owen have been eliminated. Uh, despite the fact that Bulldog has gone, again, to, to further equate your belief of the strange booking of Bulldog, the uh, Stridex Slam of the Week is Bulldog power slamming Savio. Yeah. Like a lovely running power slam with a, with a racket assist from yeah. the other week. Uh, Wildman Mark Mero attempts a running something at Goldust. <laughs> And gets dropped out of the ring for taking a risk. Yeah. Well done. Goldust eliminates Savio as we cut to Undertaker and Mankind say, fighting through the crowd. You say Goldust eliminates Savio. He eliminates himself with a corner spin wheel kick and flies out the ring. And I'm just like, so you've eliminated Bulldog and Owen, who are two of your top heels in the company. And then Savio goes, oh, I eliminated myself, aren't I, Daft? Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. I, there was actually no propulsion I from Goldust. furious. I was like, Savio, you twat. Savio was livid as well as he got to the front. He was like, oh, no. Yeah. I'm sure I've done this in a battle royal before. <laughs> How must dare move, I? Must remove that spinning wheel from my repertoire. Uh, but again, yep. no time to focus on that because Undertaker and Mankind are fighting through the crowd. What a nasty looking bump from Mankind over oh. the barricade. You need to see his dinner again. Don't do that, Mankind. Ooh, <laughs> you want to you take it easy in the ring, mate. The dust is settling on this battle royal. We're down to Ahmed, Goldust, Sid, and Steve Austin. Ooh. And they get loads of time here. Yeah. Like, I love the fact that we get like a long final four sequence in this battle royal. Uh, with, two, with four guys that have a, have a like, nice bit of chemistry together. Yeah. And everybody gets a little bit of something on everybody. Uh, Sid, again, gets a beat in the hands of Austin quickly. Yeah. Which is nice to see. Uh, Mankind and Undertaker are continuing to fight back stage we go to our next commercial break we come back as Sid power bombs gold dust I feel like uh, Sid was supposed to be interrupted here do you think because he held that position for ages and was looking around and then looked at Steve Austin and then said something to gold dust like going up or something and I don't know where they just went ah fuck it I'll power bomb you it felt like it took a while but also it is Sid <laughs> yeah he's going to stand there it's going great this I'm having a lovely time. Oh, shit. Oh. Where's my softball? <laughs> Bulldog and Owen Hart come out to distract Sid, and this allows Steve Austin to hit Sid from behind and eliminate Sid. Yes, he does. Fucking come on, yes, Austin. Yes, he does. Goldust, Steve Austin, and Ahmed Johnson are your final three. A brief, brief alliance with Goldust and Austin, with Goldust telling Austin to beat up Ahmed, ends when Goldust clatters Austin. Mm. Ahmed goes... This is the finish is really weird. Ahmed gets back into this and beats up Steve Austin. He does that thing, which they always do in Rumbles, where he just holds them in position for ages, like a rest hold, where you're trying to get them over the top, and it's just like... It's a classic Royal Rumble trope. Holds him forever, and you think, okay, this is like buying time for something, until Goldust just walks along, grabs Austin's foot, and goes... Whoop, whoop, and sends Austin out. And there were some boos for Austin getting eliminated. Yeah, I heard them too. Yeah. There's a lot of love for Austin. It's almost like he's a very good hand in the mid card. Oh. Ahmed has a rebroken nose, blood running down his face. As Vince McMahon once again puts over the kidney issue that he faced mm. after being booted by Farouk Assad last week. Mm. Uh, he and Goldust are the final two here, and Ahmed is gutting it out. Uh, he chokes out Goldust nearly with a rear naked choke, lands a spine buster for good measure as well. The finish, 
I was really intrigued by the finish. So Goldust is leaning on the ropes and Ahmed just runs at Goldust and like shoulder barges or does something that sends him over. But then as Goldust is going over, almost by accident, his leg clips Ahmed yeah. and Ahmed starts going over too, to which Ahmed uses his arms and legs and hangs upside down like a spider on the road. It looked cool. It looked great. Yeah. Waiting for Goldust to slowly fall to the outside. And so Ahmed wins this match like by clutching onto the ropes upside down. Big pop for the finish. I loved oh, it. Oh, it was fantastic, yeah. Really I good. really love the finish. And Ahmed Johnson's the winner. He gets a shot at the champion the night after SummerSlam. Mm. Holy fuck a doodle. He won't. Uh, Ahmed cuts a promo post-match, uh, thanking, of course, the, his, his fans and supporters. He is champing at the bit, uh, either to fight Shawn Michaels or mainly to fight Vader. Yeah. Now we got a barbecue. Oh. I wouldn't say barbecue in front of Vader. Might get the wrong impression. <laughs> we don't really get a chance to drink that in because Farouk Assad hits the ring, silver helmet and all. He starts the barbecue early and we get a pull-apart brawl between Farouk and Ahmed as Raw goes off the air. And Ahmed, like, when he's waiting for him, does kind of like Mortal Kombat, like, come on, then. Yeah. Like... <laughs> so that's Raw. Thoughts on Raw this week? The episode as a whole was nowhere near as good as the last two weeks. It was saved by the Battle Royal. Yes. But I think that the crowd were very deflated. I don't know how much, like what the actual running order for the live show was, because obviously with what we'll hear about Ahmed next week and all the stuff about his kidneys, I don't know if that's, they've had to like chop and change and cut together oh, the episodes that's a good to, question, make it, actually. to make it flow differently, to kind of cover up for that. Well, I think I think they always had, I, I wonder if, like if this is the order that it was meant to go in anyway, Maybe. Well, do you know what? I'll look into that for next week. Yeah. I'll look into that for next week. But um, still decent. I had an uphill climb after recent weeks. The stuff of Mankind and Undertaker was fantastic. Austin getting over. Ahmed looks like a beast. He's a sympathetic babyface. He's a gutsy babyface. He's continuing through this match with what we know now to be absolutely fucked kidneys <laughs> while bleeding out of his broken nose. And the stuff of Farouk is heated. So, Yeah. I enjoyed the Raw. I thought everything up until the Battle Royal was just okay. I could do with the Jerry Lawler and Jake Roberts stuff going away. Yeah. Um, I Whilst it was a backdrop to lots of storytelling, I liked the way they did the Rockers and the um, the Buddy Donna stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and yeah, Battle Royal was great. Star-studded Battle Royal. Yeah. And, and had it not been for Ahmed being fucking baggered, <laughs> we'd have a great... We'd have, you know... Do you know what? I do wonder... If in a parallel dimension, had Ahmed been healthy, they might have had Vader go over Sean at SummerSlam and Ahmed beat him the night after. Fuck, could you imagine? Imagine that. Oh! Just for the just for the visual of Vader holding the title. Yeah, for one night. Yeah. And then Ahmed fucking muscles it out of his hands the following night. Because it was I think it was the only major title he never won. He was obviously WCW champion. Mm. He was IWGP champion. He was triple crown champion but never got the WWF title. Never got the big one. No. And uh, Ahmed won't get his big moment, which is a shame. Oh, Ahmed, mate. More on him next week. I wasn't expecting the Ahmed saga to be as sad as Me it's Me neither. Knowing how it ends, I wasn't expecting... I was expecting to be like, oh, Ahmed, that'll be fun for a few weeks. He's a bit clumsy, but like... It's quite sad. I think we, when we started our journey with Ahmed Johnson, he was a, he was kind of close to joining 
whatever the classic Raw reviews equivalent of an OSW boy stable is. Yeah. Be, you know, a bit of a figure of, uh, figure of fun and all yeah. that. But as the weeks have gone on, we've gone, holy fuck, here's a fucking prodigy. Yeah. Here is somebody that, you know, you, you could build a brand new star with this guy. Yeah. And... And then you and then you remember, oh, it's a retro review. We know how the story ends. And we go, oh, no. But how how frustrating at the time. Because I remember when I was getting back into wrestling, 97, 98, and looking back at some of the old stuff, and Ahmed was everywhere. Like, mm. with the figures, with the videos, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, oh, so the big stars at the moment, it seems like it's Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Mankind, Undertaker, Steve Austin, Ahmed Johnson, and, and Goldust. They were like the ones. And then looking at it, this run so far, which, spoilers, this is the height of Ahmed's run. Mm. Height of Ahmed's he career. Sa- he says something next week that really breaks my heart. Yeah. We watched the one for next week already, and it, there's something he says, then I go, mate, you have no idea how true that statement is. Yeah. <laughs> we end on a sad... God, what a what depressing a th- episode! What a depressing week! I can't, I can't wait to listen to this back in my new house, unpack it. Everyone's like, oh, oh. oh, nice to see that. I'll put that there. Go. Oh yeah, we're going to be dead soon. Oh, <laughs> I, I, maybe when you're moving, when you're unpacking, listen to the SmackDown review from that week instead. Okay. We'll probably make some shit jokes about Kane and uh, and, and 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 make some shit, uh, make some more jokes about Stacker Two, yeah. possibly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe do that next week instead of listening to this Bit one. Bit of test. Oh, a bit of test banter. Yeah. Like a bit of test banter. But you listen next week. You have to. It's the rules. Until we are next back together. He is at Brat Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Tagaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. I like to compare myself, pattern myself by the axolotl. Because uh, I like to swim in the tank and no one know who I am. Be a bit see-through and smile a lot. I like to pattern myself after the common earthworm. Because if you cut me in half, I might turn into two. <laughs> 